Trinity's website and register, or you can come talk to me after service, and I can somewhat point you in that direction, but that will be tomorrow night. Um, but that's the last announcement. So we are in the second week of Advent, this week thinking about peace. Um, and so we're going to read this text from Luke and then pray and then jump on in. So that should come up on the screen and just there. The scriptures say, In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, Tetrarch of Aturia and Trachontis, and Licinius, Tetrarch of Aveline, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for Him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight. The rough ways smooth. And all people will see God's salvation. This is the Word of the Lord. And let's pray. Father, You are here. Um, Jesus, we just acknowledge that You are here with us. and, And that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can engage with You. And so, God, I just pray that in this moment, as I attempt to communicate from your word that which uh, you have shared with us, um, that you would just be among us in in a special way, that with power um, that is not mine but yours, words would be communicated that uh, encourage, that uplift, that bring peace to the hearts of your people. Lord, we pray and acknowledge um, those who are not among us, either dealing with illness or traveling or other things, Lord, and we pray that you be with them as well in a special way. Um, Lord, we thank you for the ways that you've been present with us in the reading of your word and in prayer and in worship this morning and in this affirmation of faith and all the ways um, that we are reminded of the story that we are swept up into, Lord. And so I pray that you would just be with us uh, even more now. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. War. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. I said war. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Now, in 1970, Motown artist Edwin Starr released his version of the song called War. The song was written as a protest song, a protest of the Vietnam War, and it remains one of the most popular protest songs ever written to date. If you're not familiar with the song, or if I didn't do a good enough rendition there... Uh, He goes on to say, peace, love, and understanding. Tell me, is there no place for them today? And this protest and this cry of the human heart is so similar to the one that we hear from John the Baptist today. John is echoing the prophet Isaiah saying, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for Him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. Crooked roads shall become straight, rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. John is calling for peace. And as many of the prophets had done before, John is drawing the hearer's attention to what's going to be fulfilled in their midst. The coming of the Prince of Peace. John's drawing from Isaiah's language this morning, and and this imagery is setting the scene for what we're looking back on in this time of Advent. 
this reality that the person of peace, that God in the flesh dwelling among us, we call Him Jesus. That Jesus, the person of peace, was on the way. John knew it in the core of who he was. And my prayer for us this morning is that as we examine this text and dig around in the broader life of John, that we would get the kind of perspective John has as we wait for the person of peace to come again. You see, John's perspective on peace was that the day was coming when not just war would not be present, but that all suffering would end. That all people would see God's salvation. And so the peace that we're waiting for in this season, the peace that we're asking God to form our hearts towards in this Advent season is the peace of God. It's the shalom of God. It's not less than the absence of violence or conflict. It's not less than war. It's so much more. It's a peace that's marked by completeness, by wholeness, nothing broken, nothing missing, no more weeping, no more sorrow, no more darkness, no more death. Everything as God intended it to be. This is the peace that God promises us. And this peace is coming. And just where you are, I want you to just kind of take a deep breath and consider with the Holy Spirit where you're longing for peace in your life? Where are you longing for peace in your life? This could be inside of you. This could be around you. This could be in a relationship. This could be in a situation. But where are you longing for peace? As the Holy Spirit brings that to the surface this morning, we're going to wrestle with the question of how can John's perspective, how can Scripture's perspective on peace shape our hearts for this season. You see, John's perspective of peace, as we'll see in the text, is shaped by the past, the present, and the future. And so the big idea is this, that Advent invites us to a perspective on peace shaped by the past, the present, and the future. Advent invites us to have a perspective shaped by the past, present, and future. Another way to say this this is that Advent invites us to consider peace based on what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. And a third way is to see peace most clearly in our lives. We have to look at where we've been, understand where we are, and then look to where we're going. And let's unwrap this in the text this morning. So those first verses are not just filled with names that tripped me up this morning, but sometimes we zoom past them. But they're important because on closer inspection, they tell us something about what's happening in a time and in a particular place. And so it goes through kind of this litany of powerful people and powerful places. And then in verse 2, it says, The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Here's why this is important. It takes us back. It takes us back to the first chapter of Luke, and it roots us in a particular moment. If you zoom back with me there, what happens is the angel Gabriel, before Gabriel's visit to Mary that we talk about a lot in this season, visits John's father, Zechariah. And and Zechariah is in the temple. He's a priest, and he's serving there. And this angel comes to him and says to Zechariah, who's old or advanced in years, and whose wife is childless or barren, and says, you're going to have a child. Interesting. 
And he is going to be filled with the Spirit from the womb. And he will prepare for the people the coming of the Lord. Now jump back in our story today and simply put, this happened. Not only did it happen, it tells us something about the perspective that John has on peace and something that we can share with John today. It tells us that the word comes to unexpected people in unexpected places. The word comes to unexpected people in unexpected places. And friends, be encouraged by this this morning as you look at those places in your life where you're longing for peace to come, that the word comes to unexpected people in unexpected places. This is a thread throughout the Scriptures. The Scriptures say in Genesis that when the earth was corrupt and filled with violence in an unexpected place, that God spoke to Noah a 600-year-old, unexpected person. We see God speaking to Abram, an unexpected person, in an unexpected place in his life, again, as another older man with no children, and tells him, your descendants are going to outnumber the stars. We get into the Exodus, and we see Moses, a murdering shepherd, an unexpected person, and God speaking to him in a burning bush, an unexpected place. And God promises to free the children of Israel from generations of slavery. Then throughout the judges, throughout the kings, throughout the prophets, we see over and over again God showing up and speaking to unexpected people in unexpected places. And then we get to this story again. God shows up to an unexpected person, Zechariah, and then to John, an unexpected person, in the wilderness, an unexpected place. And then just after this, Gabriel speaks to Zechariah, then he goes and speaks to Mary. And the Word takes a quantum leap forward and comes into our world. The Word becomes flesh in a virgin womb, an unexpected place. In Mary, an unexpected person. And friends, this is good news. This is good news for you and I, those of us that find ourselves longing for peace. We can be assured that peace is coming because peace did come in the person of Jesus just as it is said to have happened. And Advent shapes our perspective on peace by looking at the past and inviting us to consider what's possible with God. So the invitation this morning from the past is, to remember. Remember this Advent season. Look back. Have a perspective shaped by the activity of God throughout history and in your life specifically. Where has God brought peace in your life specifically? And make space for this kind of activity this Advent. A a stretch goal I want to throw out there for you is, is to do this with an older saint, someone who's a bit beyond you in age or stage, because this can be incredibly nourishing and perspective-shaping for us who haven't walked as long as some other people among us have. We saw a perfect example of that this morning as a grandfather praying over his grandchild, and we consider this legacy of faith in one family. And I've had the pleasure of experiencing over the, this over the years as well. I have a friend, Dr. Anthony Gordon, who some of you know as Doc. And Doc 
used to give us the gift of his preaching and encouragement in our early days of, of planting this church. But Doc started a school over 30 years ago in Birmingham in response to numerous murders of young people and the failure of the education system in his community. And over the years, he's poured wisdom and counsel into me on days when I was particularly struggling to believe that peace was possible. On one particular occasion, after the disappointing experience of offer after offer falling through on properties that we were looking for while trying to purchase this space, Doc called me and he said, I know you're probably disappointed. I want to share a story with you. When Doc says that, you listen. Doc says, there was a a building that I had been praying over for Restoration Academy. I had been driving by that building every day, walking by it, praying over it for 15 years. And it came down to a vote amongst the elders in the church, and they voted no. That is not particularly encouraging, Doc. (laughs) Tell me more. But a few days later, he says he was talking in the parking lot with another pastor, and he asked him if he could buy the parking lot. It was kind of a last-ditch effort. Can I buy your parking lot from you to put this school because it needs a place to move? And the pastor said to him, I can't sell this to you, but I can give it to you. And you see, you see the sidewalk there. Because on this land and more, today, Restoration Academy serves 375 students. They're transforming the lives of the next generation as they seek to advance the two greatest commandments in the life of every student. For 14 years, every graduate of Restoration Academy has been accepted to college. And so when it's hard for me to believe that peace is possible... I think about God's faithfulness in so many ways to so many people. And those stories are among us and they're in you. And they need to be shared with one another. And you need to share them with yourself. Remember this Advent season, the kind of peace that's possible in my life and in your life. Advent invites us to remember. Now the past tells us we can and will have peace. And the the present shapes our perspective as we prepare for that peace to come again. Just after the verses that locate us in the story, we read what John is up to in the present moment. Verse 3 says, you know, filled by the Spirit in the womb, we heard that, but verse 3 says, He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. See, John's perspective on peace is steeped in his past so that in the present we see him actively engaging with God and the gifts God has given him to do what God called him and prepared him to do. So to have a perspective of peace shaped by the present, we must be actively engaged in something that the Lord is doing in the world today. If this isn't something you've considered, then the invitation is simply to ask this question, explore this with the Holy Spirit. God, What have you shaped my heart and my hands for? What have you shaped my heart and my hands for? One of my friends and a pastor at our sister church, Trinity, Brad Malden, says it really well. He says, God isn't going to give you a heart for everything, but God will give you a heart for something. And it's up to you 
to discern what that is. So in this Advent season, think about that. What have you given me a heart for, God? What have you given me hands for, God? And how can I engage you in the present? And oftentimes there's an intimate connection between your past just as there was for John. As I was thinking about it this week, I, I thought about some new friends that I have, Catherine and Jay Wolf. I had the opportunity to spend some time with them recently, and their, their story is incredible. Just to, in a snippet from their website, they say, they tell it this way, after giving birth to our first son in 2008, Catherine miraculously survived a catastrophic stroke. And since that day, we've used our second chance lives to champion the truth that suffering and joy can coexist in your good, hard story. You see them here. Together, they're authors, they're speakers, but more importantly, they use their ministry at Hope Heals to impact the lives of so many who are disabled through retreats, through camps, and through pastoral care. To spend time with them and understand the hardship that they've walked through is, is, is really impactful because of the light and the joy that Catherine has. They're making peace in, in the dark and difficult world for people who experience disabilities are encountering day in and day out. They're doing what John calls us to do, making the path clear. Advent invites us, friends, then, to look for the peacemakers. Look for the peacemakers around you. Look for the people around you that are making peace in our world today. One of the incredible joys of being one of the pastors of this church in particular is that there's so many peacemakers in our midst. There's so many people in this church and in our families and that we know that are leveraging their skills and their talents and being empowered by God's Holy Spirit to make peace in the world. There's healthcare professionals among us. There are people who are working with those experiencing homelessness in our city. There are those advocating for building better housing infrastructure for vulnerable people. There are lawyers and professors and other kinds of educators. There are business owners. There are creative artists. There are students training to enter the workforce as peacemakers. And then there are these parents, these mothers, these fathers, these grandfathers, these grandmothers among us that are raising up a generation of peacemakers. And if I didn't mention you, that's okay. You're included as well. As I like to say, it's an all-skate. Because friends, anything we do as followers of Jesus, when empowered and filled with God's Holy Spirit, has the potential to make peace in our world. Let me say that again. Anything we do as followers of Jesus, empowered and filled with God's Holy Spirit, has the potential to make peace in the world today. John is a great example of this. We often talk about John as this bug-eating, camel-skin-wearing, truth-telling, odd guy. If you watch The Chosen, they always call him Creepy John and I always giggle. But what John displays so beautifully is that anything we do submitted to the will and way of God has the potential to make peace in the world. When we do this, when we actively prepare, we make possible the future that God imagines. The future perspective on peace is one that imagines with God 
the fullness of God's desire for all creation to be redeemed, restored, and renewed. The future we imagine with God is the one that John proclaims from the prophet Isaiah that all people will see God's salvation. Or as the Jesus Storybook Bible puts it, all sad things will become untrue. This is sometimes hard for us to grapple with. The world does not look very peaceful right now. If we're honest... A lot of our imagination is being formed in the wrong stories and in the wrong places. And here's what creates this tension we feel. You see, some of us are walking around in a CNN-steeped reality. Maybe others are walking around in a Fox News-steeped reality or a Twitter-steeped reality or a guilt-steeped reality or a shame-steeped reality or some other kind of reality. And the reality is that if we continue to steep our stories in these places, rather than steeping them in God's story, then we're going to have imaginations that fail to see the future that God has in mind. We won't see God's redeeming, restoring, renewing heart. We won't see it happening around us even when it truly is. Having an imagination aligned with the future of God is to bring to bear this reality in our midst. And it's not just idealism, it's not naivety, it's not having our heads in the cloud and being these daydreamy people. It's having an appropriate orientation to the future that understands this, that God does what God says God will do. God does what God says God will do. And as often as we forget this, we need to be reminded that the future is not in my hands or yours. The future is in God's hands. And the future is in the hands of the one who shaped the world in the beginning. The future is in the hands of the one who sent his son into that world. The future is in the hands of the one who's inviting us to partner with him and make peace in the world today. So the invitation of the future is to orient ourselves and engage. Advent invites us to engage. The invitation this morning is to see the fuller perspective of peace and engage with Jesus in seeing peace and seeing shalom restored to all the earth today. I love that picture that Evie shared with us this morning of her and Jesus. That's the invitation. It's us and Jesus engaged together, orienting our world towards a future where nothing's broken, nothing's missing, everything's as it should be. Advent invites us to engage. John the Baptist lived a life that modeled for us what this looks like. He located himself in the story of God. He looked at his past and understood his particular location in the story. And then that enabled him to prepare in the present. And then his present activity pointed those around him to an even greater reality. Matthew 3.11, the Gospel writer records John saying this, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who's more powerful than I, 
whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Friends, Advent reminds us that Christ has come, and that's set into motion, a chain of events that now offers us the ability to walk in the power of God's Holy Spirit towards the brokenness, towards the darkness, towards the pain, towards the suffering, and make peace in our world today. So the question's not when, and the question's not how, the question is where will you engage? Where will you engage? The invitation to engage with the past, present, and future perspective of peace is is just a starting point, friends. This is a trailhead. It's an invitation for you to journey with Jesus into the places that need peace in our world today. The places inside of you and the places around you. The perspective won't do it alone. We have to walk. We have to walk, empowered by God's Holy Spirit, towards places where peace is not. And let me acknowledge, friends, this is hard. God was making this invitation to me all week, even as I prepared, because at times it is hard for me to believe that peace is possible. With the opportunity this week to host some Georgia Tech students in this space where you're sitting. You can see some pictures of it up here. Um, we transformed this space into a, a design studio. So they had all these cool models and, and presentations. There were students from a particular class that were given some spaces, kind of some blank slates, properties in the community, and they researched the history of those places and the history of the neighborhood. So they were informed by the past. They talked to current residents and they considered things like zoning and building practices and all that, so they were oriented to the present. And then they imagined designs for the future. The comment someone made as we were walking through the event really struck me. He said, I love to see students design without the constraint of limited resources. He was alluding to the fact that they didn't consider things like How practical is this? Or how much is it going to cost? Or how much time is it going to take? And I wondered, if like me, maybe you, likewise have a clouded perspective on peace because you think something like this. Man, if I just had more time, I would. If I had more money, I would. If I had more influence or power, I would. Or fill in the blank. And I wonder if this morning, I wonder in this season of Advent, if we push those limitations to the side, I wonder what would happen if we allowed our perspective on peace to be shaped by the history and story of God's activity. If we allowed our perspective on peace to be shaped by the present activity that we see and live into among us. And I wonder if we steeped our imaginations in the future, the God promised. Can you imagine? Advent answers the question from where we began today. Peace, love, and understanding. Tell me, is there no place for them today? Advent says, yes, there is a place for them today. And Advent says, you make it so. 
Advent invites us, friends, to see that God's a trustworthy anchor of our hope and that God is the peace that has come. God's the peace that is here and God's the peace that will come again. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that this story we read and this story we live into and these realities that you have set into motion for us are good news and they are good for us. So I ask you to reorient us by the power of your Holy Spirit to see the work you've done, to see the work you're doing, and to see the work that you will do in our lives. Bring comfort. Bring hope, bring peace, bring joy, bring love in this season of waiting that we might be found as those faithfully waiting for you.